Welcome to All Things with Jen Oshman, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now. Well, thanks so much for joining me on this episode of All Things. I actually am recording this episode along with my husband, Mark Oshman. We have been married for 22 years, and he is not only my husband, but my partner in so many different ways. We planted a church together here almost five years ago where we live in Colorado. We've also been missionaries together overseas for a number of years. And most importantly, uh, we have four daughters ages 14 to 24 right now. So I've invited Mark to have this conversation with me because we're going to be diving into the um, just the issue of teens and tweens and social media. Now, yesterday I had an article um, published with Risen Motherhood online. I'm going to link that in the show notes where I just provided sort of five gospel principles for parents to consider when their teens and tweens ask them for social media. So the article, I feel like, um, is really helpful in just pointing myself, first and foremost, and others just back to what the gospel has to say about our teens and tweens getting on social media. But I wanted to bring Mark on here so that we could have just a really candid, unscripted conversation as if, you know, maybe you're at our house for dinner or we're having coffee together and you said to us, hey, Mark and Jen, you've got these four daughters who are teens and young adults. How have you navigated the social media conversation in your house. So that's what Mark is here to help me do on this episode. But just by way of review really quick, I'm going to share with you now those five gospel principles that show up in that Risen Motherhood article, because that's just going to kind of lay a foundation, a gospel foundation for this conversation. And we're going to kind of move from like the philosophical to the very practical as we go through this conversation. So um, again, you can find the link in the show notes, but here's the five gospel principles for parents to sort of be thinking of as their teens and tweens want to get on social media. The first would be just talking to our kids, saying, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. That's from Colossians chapter 3. So asking your kids, does your time and engagement on social media glorify God and bless others? Secondly, focus on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and worthy of praise. That's from Philippians chapter 4. So challenge your kids. Is social media good for your soul? The third is remember you are dearly loved, Ephesians 5. So we want to be encouraging our kids. Your identity is not in social media. Your identity is in the Lord Jesus alone. Fourth, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and stands ready to help us from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, John chapter 14. So we want to be reminding our kids that God will give them the strength to obey and honor him when they're on social media. And fifth and finally, God is good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love. That's from Psalm 86. So we want to be comforting our kids as well. Your social media sin doesn't define you. God will give you grace to start again. Now, of course, I want to apply all those gospel principles to myself as well, and um, I know Mark would agree with that. Those are those are five things that we're constantly asking ourselves, asking each other, bringing to our conversations as husband and wife, but also asking our kids as they think about um, those who are on social media and those who aren't yet on social media. That's sort of setting the table for these conversations. But first, let me just welcome my husband to all things. I'm his biggest fan, and... Um, you can just maybe introduce yourself a little bit and then say, you know, what I want to ask you about is why are we even having this conversation? Why, why is this necessary? Why should we even care about our kids and social media? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm Mark and it's a pleasure to come on this podcast. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot in, in all of those questions when it comes to this. Um, but I think first and foremost is just that as 
as people made in the image of God, made uh, good, made to f- to be part of the good creation and to see the world flourish, like that requires some thinking and that requires some thoughtfulness to our lives. And so uh, certainly when it comes to social media, uh, we see tremendous good and, and some tremendous harm out there. And if you aren't willing to pause and think how those two things can come out of the same context, then, um, then I, I think we're, we're already lost. So I don't know if that starts to answer your questions, but, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. yeah. So maybe start by talking about just how you and I talk to one another about social media. I mean, it's something you and I talk about every day because you're a pastor, I'm a writer. Um, we have a lot of content online, whether it's sermons or podcasts or articles. Um, and we're going to social media because we there are thinkers and teachers that we follow and that we appreciate. We have a global background, so a lot of our friends are overseas, and the way we keep up with them is on social media. Um, so maybe just bring the listener into some of the conversations, what it looks like for you and me on a daily basis to be talking about these things. Yeah, we want to we wanna ask ourselves the question, like, how, how is this shaping us? How is it shaping our thinking for good or for bad? Um, and when you look at even our own our own lives and when we turn on our iPhones and we wa- look at our screen time for the week, um, one, it's embarrassing mm-hmm. and something yes. that we, we feel personally convicted about. Uh, but two... You realize that's a that's a that's a huge faucet that we're drinking from constantly, mm-hmm. and so uh, got to ask the question: Well, what's in the water of that faucet? Um, and so we're we're constantly asking those questions: Like, what, what what's good in this? What's bad? What's damaging in this? Um, yeah, when we were talking about this earlier, you said you know this is basically a strong cultural current that is yeah. sweeping us all along. And so we've got to find out, you know, how to, um, what, it, what it's doing to us, resist the bad, maybe embrace the good, but be really conscious of it because it's discipling us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's discipling us more than we know or willing to admit, and it will disciple our children. So we think of discipleship, especially in Christian world and uh, church world as, uh, are you, are you, do you have personal disciplines? Are you meeting with the people of God? Are you um, worshiping with the people of God? And all of those things are true, but think about that compared to the amount of time one spends on social media. And it's not even close, really. So uh, this is a huge discipleship for good or for bad peace in our lives and for our children's lives. And so that's the first thing we want to look at is how is it shaping us uh, and how as we as parents called to uh, really be God's means for his ends in this. And what I mean by that is uh, we as parents, we want to see our children walk in, in obedience to Jesus. We want to see them enjoy Jesus. Um, and so we pray for that and we take them to church and we make them go to mm-hmm. youth group and even when they don't want to. Um, but in the end, we can't really control any of that. Yet God's word tells us that he delights to use uh, means for ends. And he delights to use godly parents directing and, and shepherding children's hearts to to an to an end that would glorify him. That doesn't mean it's a formula. It doesn't mean uh, if you do these five steps that we do that your children will follow Jesus or our children will even mm-hmm. follow Jesus. But it does it does mean we're, we're, we're creating an environment for them to know, love, and follow Jesus. And so we have to take into account uh, social media in our current day and age. 
Yeah, I think that's an important point because I, in my conversations with other moms, especially moms of teens, I feel like there is a sense amongst us sometimes of like, well, that's my kid's private space. Like, I'm not really allowed in there or they won't like it if I go in there. Um, they don't want to be monitored in these areas. And, you know, they're teens now. So um, I just I do sense of resistance and, and, and even to point back to like what you said about youth group and church, you know, I sense parents of teens being like, well, I don't want to make them go to church. I don't want to make them go to youth group. Um, speak to the parent who's resistant to sort of lean into their kids' lives. Yeah. Well, I, we were talking earlier how, how much wisdom all this takes. And it's wisdom that is, is above us even. And so we're trying to seek additional wisdom in the books and other things that we think on and, and read about that. It just takes a tremendous amount of wisdom to navigate uh, the, these spaces well. And uh, all of us can admit when we were at that age, like we didn't have wisdom. So parents, part of our creation mandate is to be wisdom for our children. Mm. So it isn't to be friends with our children, though we hopefully we have some laughs and have a good time, but it's ultimately to say, I'm going to walk you through this in wisdom uh, and that you can learn these things so that when you leave our house, you have some tools in your wisdom tool belt to do that. Now that also requires us to be checking ourselves and to be walking in wisdom and uh, repenting when we fail in these ways and changing. And, and so uh, it's hard, but yeah, children just don't have the wisdom because that comes with time, age, and experience uh, that that they need. And so God gives children parents. And so I think that's one thing that we're called to in this particular situation is to be the wise voice in their ear. Yeah. I think a lot of parents, especially of teens, resist being authoritarian. You know, they might, um, and they might even not even really want to be authority anymore. You know, feeling like, well, I put in the years of toddlerhood and elementary and I was authority then, but I'm friend now. And I, and I think that's good to resist being authoritarian. Like, we don't want to be that either, right? We don't want to be um, – I mean, we talk, like, nightly about how are we handling these situations with our kids? Are we handling them in a way that's got the gospel and grace and forgiveness and mercy? But also, are, do we have some strict guidelines to protect them from evil? And balancing that is hard. But I think, to your point, like, we need to be having these conversations and doing it ourselves. And that's sort of what makes – that's sort of what prevents it from being an authoritarian conversation is that as parents, we're constantly saying to our kids, I messed up here too. This is the slippery slope I have found myself sliding down. These are the ways I have wasted my life online or I have looked at things I shouldn't have looked at or I have participated in, you know, gossip or slander, you know, the many, many pitfalls online. We've got to be honest with our kids that they're a struggle for us even as many years as we've lived and the wisdom that God's given us. And so that turns the conversation, I think, from authoritarian to a more gracious, like let's seek Jesus together. As we as we look at social media, let's look at Jesus first together with our kids. Right, and I, I think I think part of the the air that we breathe is people don't stop and ask those questions. They don't stop and ask. Um, what what does what does wisdom look like, or um, what does it look like for our, ourselves, or, or what even is this is this thing doing to our souls? Mm. Um, but study after study after study shows that by and large it's doing negative things to our souls. Mm. Um, how much more with our children? Um, so Marshall McLuhan, who was a philosopher, kind of media theorist in the really peaked in the 1960s, he had this phrase, the medium is the message. 
the medium is the message. And he, he, again, this is before the internet, this is before social media, but he was just noticing as new technologies came along, um, built into the technology is a different, it's a different message. So radio has a different message than television and television had a different message than the World Wide web and uh, in general and then social media has a different message so if you stop and ask what is the message that social media is trying to communicate to us uh, in good ways and bad ways that 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 starts to be pretty eye-opening um, and if the message is image and image cultivation and compare comparison and um, you know, all, all these things that kind of we look at ourselves at, and we, we say we fall short, we're, we're deficient, we don't look as good, we don't, we don't have as happy of lives as these. Like, as I think as people in our 40s, we can step back a little bit and say that's not quite, that's mm-hmm. not quite accurate. Mm-hmm. But, but can a 16-year-old do that? Right. Um, it's hard for us. It's got to be much harder for our daughters. Yeah, you make a really good point. I mean, for us in our 40s, as you say, it is difficult to navigate these and to not be influenced by them and to even have my own identity and my own image and self-worth impacted by what I'm seeing online. And so um, one of the very practical things that we're going to get into a minute in a minute, probably the very first practical bullet point that we're going to offer up is that we're having these conversations constantly with our kids because they social media is impacting you and me in m- more probably more negative ways than positive if we're really honest. I mean, I think we stay in the game because there's content that we want to share. There's content that we want to read and we do want to maintain global friendships, you know, and there's, there's the benefit of communication. But if we're honest, we constantly have to be rehearsing the gospel to ourselves and how much more necessary is that with young souls that are still being formed and shaped who don't have a solid identity yet, who are exploring, excuse me, what their identity in Christ might look like. So, yeah. Okay. I'm so glad that you you, um, said that quote, the medium is the message, because that's something, dear listener, that Mark says all the time in our home, the medium is the message. And we were speaking this morning a little bit about how, um, you know, with the advent of television, with radio and television and the web and now social media, um, we have constantly been consumers. You know, we have with cable TV um, and now things like YouTube and Hulu and whatever, we, we're consuming um, in really sophisticated ways, like really specific ways we get to consume exactly what we want to consume. So we're like excelling as consumers. But social media has flipped the script a bit and made us performers. Hmm. And so it, ma- it has made that, that medium that much more, um, more dangerous because now we're not just consuming, but we're performing Mm-hmm. As as a girl dad, can you speak into that performance piece as you think about our daughters and how you want to help them navigate that part of social media? Sure. So, um, you know, since our daughters were little little girls, like they they are just drawn to the mirror and drawn to um, just any if there's a mirror in a hallway. They're not gonna. They're they're going to stop every time, turn and look into it. So, um, but that's just between them and themselves. And now social media becomes this mirror to the world. And so they, well, we know we know every everyone on Instagram. You're gonna take 15 pictures and find the one that best represents what you want. Mm-hmm. So it, it's constant pressure to um, to create ourselves. And to define our own value and, and find our own 
worth in that that performance. Um, and so there's a disconnect between uh, the truth of, of who God says we are, uh, apart from the image uh, just on the screen, um, that really is hard to overcome because when all of your peers and everyone is doing that, like our, our daughters, you, you need to know, are, are very uh, typical daughters. <laughs> like we, we talked to them at breakfast this morning and their visceral reaction against even this podcast was like, no, we, you know, we, we're just trying to be normal, dad, or uh, don't, don't make us sound like Amish. Like they want, <laughs> they want more. They, they want us to open the floodgates yeah. and uh, we could, and we know parents that have, and um, I'm not saying all, everyone ends in a train wreck there, but like there, there's just too many train wrecks at the end of the, that, those tracks that we have to just say, even though, even though they don't believe us, mm-hmm. because all their friends have it mm-hmm. and, and everyone's doing it, even though they don't believe it, we are, um, we are called to care and shepherd their souls. And it's not good to stare at yourself as much as it is to, as parents, turn our, our, turn our children's eyes to Christ. And that's really hard in a social media context. Yeah. It is super hard. Because even spirituality in a social media context mm. is performance. Oh, man. Yeah. You're going to go there. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's Fine, virtual signaling. I, you're, a, you're a pastor. I'm a Christian writer. Just unpack that. Rip that Band-Aid off right now. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know that I can. But, uh, yeah, think about why you share the verse that you want to share. Why you uh, retweet the, the tweet. Like, it, it is it is. Oh, I want to put on display God, and I want to show the world how I put on display God. Uh, so, in the end, it's about me more than about um, you in that. So, it, it is. I think that's probably one of the most toxic things in our current social media age. For all ages, is even the spirituality behind it is is laden with traps and pitfalls. Yeah. Okay, this this is just a really quick podcast inside a podcast. Can you, uh, just because I kind of want you to keep talking about this for the sake of my own soul. This is pre- not scripted. Sorry, everybody. Um, what do you say then to, I mean, for to me, like I, what I put out there is spiritual. What are, what do I need to be aware of to yeah. protect my own soul when I'm sharing spiritual content? Yeah, I, I. I know, and we've already said on this, like, I am tremendously blessed by several voices, both from history uh, that have had a platform and from uh, even modern day, like, oh, I I get insight. So I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying that that it is dangerous. Every platform is dangerous. And, and now with social media, the platform is the world. So you, in a sense, you, you get to go on a stage for the whole world. And so um, I don't know, even for myself, I, I know every time I step up on stage to preach, I have to recenter myself and, and say to myself, literally, I will say to myself as we're singing the last song, I believe in the Holy Spirit, mm. make much of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I can be up there and sometimes I'll be like, this sounds pretty good. <laughs> I'm thinking about myself. Um, so there's just this constant cycle of like repenting and turning. I always want to have the the mindset of John the Baptist. He must increase. Mm-hmm. I must decrease. And Social media is the opposite, opposite mm-hmm. kind of 
flow and medium of that. So mm-hmm. sorry, I don't have a great answer. Oh, it's just such a tension. And it's one I'm even wrestling through right now. I mean, am, am I ever not wrestling with it? But it, it feels a little bit more heightened in my life at the moment. Um, and we're going to get into practical things in like 30 seconds. But just for this little podcast episode inside the podcast episode for the, those who produce uh, Christian content... A couple things have been especially helpful to me. One is my in real life friends holding me accountable. So literally today and yesterday, I sent a text to the two women who are in my core group, my accountability partners. They're married to the other elders in our church. And I said to them, I'm going to finish XYZ um, before I go on social media. And so I was just making a boundary. Like, I'm not going to be on social media um, multiple times today. I'm going to go on it one time and then I'm going to complete all these tasks and then I'll go on it later one time. And so just saying to in real life people, these are the guardrails that are good for my heart so that I'm not staring in the mirror all day. I'm glancing in the mirror twice and then putting it to bed. That's for me really helpful. Um, I feel like I had another one, but we'll get to that. I think maybe it was that just that one. Okay, so let's dive into just the really practical side of this conversation. And um, and this, again, Mark and I know that all families are different. All kids are different. We are not, you know, standing on high and saying, this is how you should do social media with your kids. We know that people have different different ways of doing it. We're simply sharing because we are people that publicly share Christian content. (laughs) We are sharing this process. And I will say it's something that has evolved and keeps evolving. We truly are, I can say truly having this conversation almost every single day. So sometimes our practical application changes. Like by the time this comes out in 24 hours, our practical application might have been, been tweaked a little bit, even in that amount of time. So we're just like sort of letting you in to the living room for this conversation right now. But when you go home, it might be different and maybe we'll update it someday. But um, our practical steps really fall into two camps. One, one is that we want to protect our kids. And the second one is that we want to prepare our kids. So in these formative years of their lives, when they are tweens, especially, and teens also, we just want to be protecting them as they are forming their identity in Christ, knowing who God has made them to be, deciding, you know, what they love, what what is hard for them, what is a delight to them. You know, they're just figuring out who they are. We want to protect them from the outside heavy influences of other voices and just let them be hearing mostly from the voices that are really in their life, their friends, their teachers, us, their youth group, the other, you know, spiritual leaders in their lives. We want them to be able to be forming their identity in real life. Um, So that's what I mean by protection. Of course, it's obvious that I also mean protection from predators online. Um, Mark and I are super hyper about child safety. It just comes from our missionary background and living overseas. That's something we're trained in and um, speak to our kids about all the time. Um, And things like them being exposed to pornography and not only pornography, but just other images that, again, they might compare themselves to. um, Things that will they'll end up carrying for the rest of their lives because they're brains and hearts and souls are so malleable right now, if they are exposed to them, it will not serve them well for the remainder of their lives. So that's what we mean by protecting. And then the other camp of guidelines is preparing. So there comes a time when they do get social media and we want to be preparing them for how to steward that because they're going to leave home and parenting is basically working yourself out of a job. They're going to be unsupervised. In fact, before they leave home, they're unsupervised in our home all the time. Obviously, you know, we don't, we let our teenagers stay home alone. So, um, but we just want to be preparing them for things like how to manage your screen time, how to manage a difficult person online, 
how to evaluate the content that you're consuming. What's good for your soul? What's not good for your soul? And just let, helping them walk through that so that they're not leaving the house and going to college and experiencing social media for the first time. So two camps, protecting our kids and preparing our kids. So, um, and I'll just say we have four daughters currently, 14 through 24. And this conversation looked really different with our 24-year-old, right? When she was, she was 16, eight years ago. She was 12, 12 years ago. So conversation looked different with her. Now we, um, we currently have a college student and she does have social media. She has a couple different social media apps and she got those as a junior in high school. And, um, that was after a lot of conversations, a lot of, you know, even book reading, dinner table conversations with her. And she seemed to be doing well. Her grades were good. She seemed to have a good head on her shoulders. And so at that time, she went ahead and got a couple social media apps. And we continue to have those open conversations with her. And she continues to share with us what's hard, what's easy, what's fun, what's terrible, you know, and that's kind of a two-way conversation that we're always having. And then we have two high schoolers at home and neither one yet has social media. So just letting you know like where we're at, that's where we're at is the two high schoolers at home don't have it yet. I will say um, even this last weekend, our college-age daughter had mentioned how she has, she deletes certain social media apps during the day so she can uh, focus on other stuff and then she puts it back on. So there's a definitely a draw for her to put it back on, but she she's self-imposed this limit at this point, which tells me like it's not just a free-for-all for her. She isn't just like, well, this is what everyone does. That shows some level of uh, discernment and self-awareness that she needs to get her work done and uh, the best way for her to do that is to delete this app several times a day so it's not so easy for her. So that that, that was a win for us, I think. For sure. Yeah. And it's exactly what I did with my core group members, right? Same exact thing. I will not go on social media until I get my work done. So yeah. she and I, even though we're 20-plus years apart, we're, we're wrestling with the same thing and, and handling it in a similar way. Yeah. Okay. So, Mark, why don't you go ahead and um, maybe just dive into some of the practical things. What are some of the bullet points in our home um, that we're implementing in a very practical way as we seek to protect and prepare our kids with social media. Yeah, I would say, again, you are your parent, you are your children's parents, and you also have a mandate from God to guide and shepherd them. With that, that means that you do not have to give in to what all the friends do. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to give in to the guilt trips of, of your children saying, but all my friends have this. I'm being left out. Uh, like one advice that we received from wise people before us was uh, wait as long as possible mm-hmm. um, on these things. Now, again, what Jennifer said is that doesn't mean we have a zero tolerance policy for all things. Like we realize these daughters of ours are going to leave the house and we don't want their first exposure to things to be at that time, so uh, we want to uh, we want to limit it. So we're going to talk about how we limit w- when we when we introduce things and how and when we pull things back. So um, yeah, just getting practical. Uh, our our daughters do have cell phones. Um, they are in high school, um, but for example, our junior in high school has more freedom on her phone than our freshman in high school. Um, so we, we limit when they can begin to, uh, start 
different social media apps and what are the apps? And we ask them questions. And, and what, even today we ask them questions like what, what are the pitfalls and dangers? And, um, of course they're hesitant to say any pitfalls <laughs> or dangers cause they don't want to, uh, it's fine. There's nothing to see here. Right. <laughs> but what I told them is if you don't have, uh, enough discernment to be able to tell us what the dangers are, then you're not getting it. So <laughs> it is a catch 22 to some degree, but right. uh, we want them to be thinking like this is not a spiritual, moral, neutral thing that you're introducing yourself to. So uh, specifics, I'll let you take on some of those. Yeah. Okay. So basically that's no social media till they're ready. And we're just trying to discern. We, we, we want them to have it when they're ready, but not before they're ready. Um, this one's pretty obvious. Hopefully everybody who's listening is doing this, but no cell phones or computers or screens of any kind in the kids' bedrooms. Um, and not into the bathroom either. Don't be taking your phone into the bathroom. That's, um, so just like the point there being screens should not be private. What you're seeing on the screen is something that the whole family should be seeing. And that's just helpful for all of us. Like we don't need to be doing anything in secret. Um, and then screens should not be inhibiting sleep. Like there sh- they shouldn't have them. I mean, they shouldn't be in their bedroom anyway, but maybe that's to the, all the moms and dads out there. Maybe no phone next to your bed. Um, I would strongly encourage people to not have their phones in their bedroom at all um, so that you're leaving social media and everything on your phone as you go to bed. Um, one thing we have been doing with our kids is that when they get home from school, their phones go into a bucket. And um, this is kind of a new thing I came up with last week. So I don't know, maybe I'll change my mind next week, but I'm just going to tell you now. Um, What I have said is your phones go in the bucket when you get home because I want you to feel like you're really home. I don't want you to feel, continue to feel the pressure of social stuff throughout the whole evening. I want you to be able to come here where it's safe, where you're unconditionally loved, where you can put your feet up on the coffee table and take a deep breath and the pressures of the world go away and you're just free to be you and free to rest. So phones in the bucket when you get home. After an hour of like having a snack, doing homework, talking with us, you can have your phone for about 10 minutes. Check in, see if there's anything you need to respond to. Then it goes back in the bucket and another hour of life, and then you can check it again. So that's just kind of a rhythm that we've started lately um, because I just want them to feel off. Like they can be off. They can just be at home. And when your phones are always on, you're just not at home. You're in multiple places at one time. Yeah, and we also do take advantage of some of the built-in stuff. A lot of the technology companies, in this case, for example, our Apple iPhones, they have they have done a good job of working with us. So there are parental controls, and so with that, we can clo- we control when they can have access to their phone. Uh, so I think it starts uh, basically when school starts, um, and then it ends at nine o'clock at night. So we ask our kids to be in bed at nine thirty. So, uh, they really can't access that. They also controls the amount that they can have. So, uh, depending on the situation and, and school and all those things, uh, it can be anywhere between two to four hours that we allow them to have. Now, if I give them four hours, they use four hours. <laughs> if I give them two hours, they use two hours. Yeah. So, you know what? When they just have two hours, they still survive yeah. and they still thrive. So I, I want to limit it lower than higher. They can ask for more and sometimes there's extenuating circumstances. And also you can set up communication limits where they can still text and call us. Mm-hmm. So um, there's some really good tools if you just explore, uh, if you're using an Apple product, some parental controls there. Yeah, we're definitely implementing screen time, app limits, and parental controls on all of the kids' phones. Um, another thing is that I do check my kids' texts all the time. So I'm just checking in on their phones, seeing what websites they've been on, um, 
reading their texts and they know that. They know that um, nothing is hidden or private in our home, um, that I'm going to check in and see what the text conversation is all about and what's happening online. Now, I know there's ways around that. I am very well aware that they can delete texts and they can try to hide things from me. Um, but they, since they know it's coming, I think it helps. Like it just keeps the conversation open. I, I think it's a benefit to be doing that, that they know, they know I'm going to do that. And I do that. I think it's helpful. Um, let's see, what are we missing practically? I think we maybe hit it all. Yeah. Yeah. I think the bot, so really, um, protect and prepare are kind of the principles that we wanted to share with you, practically speaking. And then finally, we just really wanted to close by saying that we as parents have to lead the way. Let me give you the last word on that. Yeah. And I, I, I like this as just an opportunity for myself to reorder my own life and rethink about it. But we lose our moral authority with our kids when we ask our kids to do anything that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so if I look at my daughter's screen time and I'm appalled at her maximizing the four hours, well, do I have five hours on mine? Mm-hmm. And if so, like there, there's some, there's just some check in my own spirit and heart that, that I need to do. Yeah, that's good. Well, everybody, I hope this has been helpful to you. I know it's been helpful to us to just have to sit down and think it through again. So do check out that article on Risen Motherhood, and I will link some other resources in the show notes that I hope will serve you well. And once again, thank you for listening to All Things with Jen Oshman and Mark Oshman today, where we look at events and trends through a Christian lens. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus, so we're seeking to apply His Word to what's happening here and now.